0: Hey everybody, welcome back. Happy Sunday, glad that you've decided to join us. Just a reminder, today, 4 p.m., North Star Church, we're gonna finish up our marriage conference. Now, this isn't just finishing up talking about romantic relationship, married relationship, dating, no. Uh, This is just finishing up with relationships. So you're invited, 4 p.m., North Star Church. Uh, Look forward to finishing up that conversation together. Another conversation we're gonna be having today, and I'm excited about this. Uh, My dear friend Erica is with us. And Erica uh, came a couple weeks ago. I shared three prayer points at church that we were going to be praying for. We prayed for our our dear brother Jay, who's serving in federal penitentiary right now as a missionary, and uh, TC, and we prayed over healing over TC. And just you heard uh, a couple weeks ago from him about just the miraculous healing that he experienced. And uh, after that service, Erica came up to me. And shared with me how we can join in the third prayer request, which was uh, we prayed over our community in Knoxville with the shootings that are happening uh, in one of our, uh, in just one particular neighborhood, pretty much of of our city, Knoxville, Tennessee. And Erica has uh, intimate relationship with that uh, circumstance in our city, and so today she's going to be sharing a little bit about that and her story. And Eric, I'm just thankful that you're here. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I know God has you in a very special and particular place. Um, because when we decide to pray for those three things, I just don't think it's an accident uh, that you were there with us that day and a part of our church and our prayer was that we would see the kingdom of heaven begin to advance wherever we are. And, and we see that right where we were praying, God has his, his people there. And so we're excited just to hear from you, hear your story and all that God's doing uh, where you're at. Um, Erica, bring us in a little bit about what you do and then how we as the church can join in uh, connecting at this, at praying over this situation. Bring us in a little bit.
1: So um, what I do, I'm a juvenile probation officer. We do intensive probation with kids from generally 14 to 18 or 19. There's three of us who... Are the type of probation officers that kind of go out into the field. Um, So we're, you know, we go into the schools, we go into the homes, we go to their jobs on the streets, wherever these kids happen to be. We meet them where they are and, you know, just kind of make sure that their needs are met and help them to move forward. Um, What we have right now, um, we have, there's a gang war. Um, It's been going on for, I think, about a year and a half now. Um, We, as far as me and my coworkers, we have clients and families that we work with on both sides of this thing. Um, We have families who are involved with the shootings and the people who are pulling the trigger on people. And we also have families who are losing their children to this violence. Um, so I'm seeing, I'm seeing it from both sides as far as the pain. Um, you know, we have people who are doing their best raising children in an environment that may not be the best and now their children are locked up and will likely be locked up for a long time. Um, and we also have people who are losing their children, um, We had one this week, um, a few days ago, a 15 year old boy, same kind of situation. So um, it's a a really difficult situation. It's very difficult to look at and
0: not feel hopeless. What would be your um, word of advice or encouragement to us as we look into this situation? Like what's your word to us for that?
1: Um, I think one of the biggest things, um, I mean, first of all, as believers, we need to be praying for these families. Um, there's There's a lot of pain, a lot of hopelessness in these communities right now. Um, but I also think that it's important to look at these people as human beings that are struggling. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, it's just black on black crime. It's this community. It's what we expect from black kids in situations like that. And that can actually be really damaging. Um, for one thing, it kind of sets an expectation from, on the one hand, where you know, if this is all you're hearing and you look and things like that, then that's all that you're going to see. Um, whereas in my situation, I look at them and I see these children who are struggling and just have no idea what else to do. Um, we have families who just get caught up in gang life largely because it's what they do um, a lot of our a lot of our children have moms, dads, uncles, aunts, cousins, entire families who are involved, and they feel they have no choice. Um, we also see I mean, a lot of times when they try to get out of the situation, there are repercussions. Um, And so, you know, they just think that they're stuck. This is all they see. This is all they know. I'm going to get out here and I'm going to deal drugs. I'm going to pick up these guns because this is all I see. It's often parents who are leading their children into this sort of thing. Um, So I think it's really important for us to understand that it's not just, you know, like a black on black thing. It's a, I just don't know what else to do with my life sort of situation.
0: I love that. And and I was, you know, it reminds me of, I'm sitting with a family this week and I'm walking through um, just relationship stuff and it ties all back together in, in, in this. And here's kind of my encouragement as we think about how to even communicate and process these situations that are so difficult and challenging. Um, but I was talking to this family and um, they were telling me the truth about their relationship, the truth about the other person. And the truth is they were not doing this and they weren't measuring up here and they weren't doing this. And that was the truth. And I said, this isn't about me, but the still word that helps us understand what the truth really is what does God say about that person? That is the truth. Many times we want to say the truth is what I perceive to be the reality is they are shooting. <laughs> so they are shooters. That can be true. But there is another truth that is how we as in the kingdom of God speak about other people. We only speak the truth. So we adopt God's truth over their life. So Yes, they may not be doing this or may be doing this, but who are they? What are they? These are made in the image of God. And what would it be like if you knew that about yourself and about the other person? What if you really grasped the fact that you had a God-like thing attachment to you? You were created in the image of your creator. And so was the person that you are going after. And God has some truths that He said about you and invited you to receive over your life. But many times, we live inside the truth of what we perceive, not the truth about what God has told us that we must observe and see and perceive. This is the thing that actually brings healing. And so, as we observe and as we kind of feel from the outside looking in, let's adopt the truth about what does God say about this community? What does God say about these people? And in any relationship, uh, those things that you've got the list of what is true, are those on God's list about that person? (laughs) And I believe it brings healing in every relationship when we adopt God's truth um, in in any situation. And that's exactly what you said. And then God redeems all these things. Uh, His essence is love. And love is gonna bear all things. It hopes all things. It believes all things. And so it gives us a greater scope of the reality of who we really are. And when we adopt God-sized truths, uh, I I believe healing and wholeness begin to take place. And outside of the truth, this Bible indicates that there's sin and that's just gonna create chaos and it's gonna devastate everything. So um, I just encourage all of us, let's let's grab hold of God's truth and what he says about the community. Now, Erica, um, bring me into your story because your story is is just a, a... Just an incredible story. Just the fact that we're sitting together today talking about the faithfulness of God. Um, I want to hear hear, hear your story a little bit.
1: So I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, My mother had me in every possible church activity. Like anytime the doors were open, I was there. I was it. We had like two and three services on Sundays sometimes. Um, Wednesday night Bible studies, I was always there. Vacation Bible School, um, Awana, and anything. We had Hallelujah Night for Halloween because I wasn't allowed to go trick-or-treating. So we were at the church for that. Um, And I was also, besides physically being in the church, I was also raised with the knowledge of the gospel and the truth of, you know, who Jesus is. Um, I gave my life to Christ myself when I was seven and got baptized then. Um, And, you know, I was used to living what the good Christian life, doing all the things that I was supposed to do. And you know, anything that might be sinful, I would scold my friends. Like I had friends who were not believers at all, had no idea what I was talking about, but I'm, you know, I was that child. Yeah. Um, but also during that time, I was a victim of sex trafficking, um, which for me, meant that there were people who were supposed to be taking care of me and instead were basically selling me um, throughout my childhood. Um, When I was 14, I ended up getting pregnant and had an abortion. I wasn't really given a choice. Um, I honestly don't know what I would have chosen, but I didn't have a choice in that situation. Um, And that experience was shattering. Um, I mean, there's, there's a part of myself that I think will always be changed because of it. A few years past, I'm, I find myself in the same situation again. Um, I went this time on my own to an abortion clinic and I just remember sitting there and just praying to God for a way out. Um, I mean, I had been through it before. I knew that I would probably never get over it, but I felt like I had no choice. So um, I was just sitting there praying, like, God, please show me an alternative, help me find my way out. Um, At the time, I was also afraid that if I didn't do it, that something terrible would happen to my family or any of the lies that I had been fed would come true. Um, So I just remember sitting there praying, and. It was my turn, Um, I remember the nurse calling my name and just a really weird thing happened where it was kind of like on TV where they're like pausing a scene and then there's just like a focal point. So I hear my name in the background and it's almost like I couldn't really reach that person. Like it wasn't really real, like it might be a dream or something. Um, and I turned and I looked next to me, there was a person sitting next to me who just kind of looked at me and was like, Oh, you're really nervous, aren't you? And I'm like, yes. I mean, it was, you know, really strange. Why, why are we even talking to each other right now? This is not what we do. Um, and that person was just like, it's going to be okay. And at that point, there was no part of me that believed it was going to be okay. But you know, I'm in this really strange situation having this really bizarre conversation and I'm just like, okay, it's gonna be okay, sure. Yeah, you too, okay, good luck. Um, And she said, hey, look up this scripture. It's in Psalms 105 verses 14 and 15. He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Mm Um, So that concept of touch not my anointed, I'd heard in church a lot. And, you know, it just represented like this protection that the Lord would provide to his people. And, you know, I thought it was really strange that, you know, we're sitting in an abortion clinic and somebody's like, hey, read this scripture. Mm -hmm. So I read it and I turn and that person was gone. Um, And it was almost like someone pushed play on everything else going on around me. And the nurse is calling my name. And I just kind of look around. And I just got up and walked out. Um, I cannot explain why I even got up and walked out. But I just knew that I was not going to be harmed in that moment.
0: And neither was my baby. So how how old were you at that point? I was 16. 16. And so that whole time, are you are you kind of still, like, at church all the time. Yes. So you're, you're there, you're going through that. And the backside what nobody knows is that you're walking through a whole life that nobody has a clue about. Yeah. And so, you know, as I'm thinking, and I'm just talking to you, I don't know who's going to be listening to this today, but the person who feels like, when I walk into a church, I'm the only one whose life is falling apart. I'm the only one who's going through this you can clearly say with great confidence, you're not the only one. And there's many of us, none of us uh, who live a perfect life, none of us who got it all together, and we're just a bunch of people who got a lot of mess as well. Um, But now, like so as you leave that situation and you press on to uh, living life, what happens next?
1: So I ended up having the baby. um, And she was adopted by a fantastic family uh, that I'm still in touch with. Um, Unfortunately, she passed away when she was five months old. Um, But that family was still amazing. Um, And it definitely was not a decision that I regret in the slightest. I got a chance to, you know, see her life and see what God can make out of what seemed like the worst possible situation just just through the few months that we had with her.
0: So then uh you continue to go through life from that point and continue to press on and you find yourself uh what, a couple months ago you came up on the date when your your daughter passed away, correct? Yes. And that's right in the middle of our 21 day kind of prayer and fasting time. And then we had partnered with Northstar and they're doing a service and you go to that on that day, correct? Yes. Tell us about that experience. So um,
1: that day has always been a really difficult day you know, just because, I mean, I think anniversaries or things like that are probably hard for everyone. Um, That day I went to work and all morning, I was just kind of off. And I was like, you know what? I know that North Star is having this service at noon. I'm gonna go ahead and go to that. So I went to that, not really expecting anything to happen, just, you know, hoping to sort of reset my mind a little bit so I can feel better and move on through my day and I ended up having a conversation where I shared that, what the day was with Genevieve, and um, we just prayed. Um, she prayed over me and asked that the Lord would bring all the parts of my story together and help me to be able to live fully in the freedom of knowing that he's had his hand on every part of my life and that every single aspect of my story is important and that he can still use. Um, So we had that conversation, we prayed, and at some point in that prayer, it's like a switch flipped in my mind. And I was like, oh, redemption, I know this one. That's what this is. I mean, I grew up knowing all the answers, you know, all the Sunday school answers. Um, but it was just this this one part felt like I couldn't quite reach it for so long. Um, and I just remember driving away that day, going back to work and just feeling so free and just in my car weeping because just it's like the shackles just fell off. And I just really, really understood that the Lord had redeemed
0: even those really bad, dark parts of my life. Had you ever told anybody, I mean, I guess outside of that family, like, had you ever really shared that with anybody before? Like, this is the day, uh, kind of what your story and what you'd gone through, had you ever told anybody about it?
1: Um, A little bit. I have a few friends who kind of knew. Mm -hmm. Um, It just was not a thing that I talked about very much. Mm for the people who even knew I had a baby, I never shared where she came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's very few people in my personal life who even know that. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't a thing that I felt free to talk about just because it just
0: seemed too messy. Yeah oh, no the the Bible this is such an encouragement because it's something that almost it feels counterintuitive. To tell something or to bring something out uh, that's hard to talk about, and especially in church, and but the Bible is so clear; it like, just says, "Confess one to another, pray for one another, and then be healed." There is an element to confession and to bringing out, especially in the in the fellowship of believers, where things are coming out, but they don't just just get revealed there's an element of the confession and then the response of the person that you're in fellowship with to pray over you. And then healing comes through that. That's just the instruction of the church. And so if we, it's like almost what I was talking about earlier. It's like this truth doesn't feel like it should be true, (laughs) right? The better truth is what I want to believe is this is too much and I just want to hide that and I don't wanna tell anybody because when I tell somebody, I'm not gonna get healed, I'm gonna get hurt again, or more. I gotta relive the hurt. And the reality is what the Bible instructs us to do is to bring that before each other into the most safe spot in a believer to know, and this is what, why believers are so important in this process because we know that you're not perfect. I know you're not perfect, you know I'm not. But as we reveal ourselves to each other, Then what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray over you, and then healing, like a spiritual kind of healing, like a supernatural inward man healing is gonna happen in each one of us. And I I just wanna encourage us as we process the truth out, because there's a lot of people listening, and and I think we just live a truth that we wanna invent, and it feels better to be right. But the word would instruct us differently. And then healing is what you're talking about, you experience like this inward like freedom. And then is there any more to that story or now it's just like, is it, what is it like now that that freedom has happened?
1: So what I found um, since that moment, and also I think part of it was just in the time of prayer and fasting, um, all the places that I had kind of kept covered up for most of my life, the Lord has been there waiting to shine his light into it. And he speaks in those areas just as much as he does in any other part of my life. And he has been doing that like constantly right. ever since. Yeah, um, It feels, it feels like he's just been like really pursuing me um, at the end of that time of prayer and fasting, it was right before my birthday. And I was turning 33, which I was calling my Jesus year. Um, and I prayed that the Lord would show me how I can use like my newfound freedom and share my story of redemption and just, I mean, my. My life in general. Um, I asked him to, you know, show me how, how to do that, and I was just like, "Here's all of me, God. I'm gonna let you t- take this and do with it what you will." And um, I was talking to one of my friends in life group, who was like, "Hey, you know, the story of the woman at the well," and I'm like, "Yeah, it's a great story." Um, she was like, Yeah, well, you know how in that story, this woman had this encounter with Jesus and could not wait to go and tell everybody she knew. I mean, and her story wasn't pleasant either. Um, but, you know, she did. She was like, I met Jesus and he changed my life, and you guys have to know about this. Um, at the time, I was like, Okay, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Ever since then, almost daily the Lord has been putting some kind of reference to the woman at the well in my face. Um, Basically a flashing neon sign that's like, hey, Erica, you need to tell your story. And I'm like, I'm not gonna do that, but (laughs) cool. I mean, everywhere. At work, someone randomly was talking about it. I would turn on the radio and it was there. I mean, like God was hardcore after me. and yeah i just could not escape it mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it's been yeah. i mean with that and with other things but you know until i agreed to share my story um which i sort of expected all right i have agreed to do this thing so everything's going to stop but i mean there are no breaks <laughs> when serving the lord um so i think i'm just able to do that a little more freely, a lot more freely um, because I'm not holding back any part of myself
0: anymore. That's good. Speak to somebody today because watching today, I just know this is the case. I I being one of them, you know, you at one time being one of them, um, just sitting there and being like, that's nice for you. But me, what would you say, just encourage somebody today that is feeling where you were, what would you What would you tell them today?
1: There's absolutely nothing that is too dark and twisty and messy for the Lord to redeem. I mean, I spent most of my life feeling like there was this one thing that I didn't even want God to look at. Um, but once I, you know, kind of shone some light on it, I mean, for one thing, the biggest thing for me was like the light that was shining on it was just the love of god yeah. and um it's it's a little scary but it's not it's not beyond any the power of god in any way yeah. right. um and it's also never too late i mean after a while i was like okay well it's been all these years i'm just going to live my life put on my good christian mask and keep going but It's never too late to hand it all to
0: the Lord. Yes. I love that. And uh, I want to finish today. We've been talking through John and we've been talking about our king and how we're a part of a kingdom. And our king, uh, his name is Jesus. And he reveals the heart of God himself because he is God himself in human form. And we get to John chapter six, and everybody's wanting to follow Jesus at this time. And they're following him because he's doing miracles and they're hearing him teach amazing things. And he has a group of, of thousands of people that have followed him to this hillside one day. And he looks to his disciples, he says, Hey, like we need to feed these guys. What should we do? And a little guy, you know the story, but the little kid with the lunch comes up and brings him the lunch. And he breaks these fish in pieces and these, these pieces of bread in pieces and he blesses it. And he has everybody sit down and they pass it all out. And as I'm reading this story, I got to the part where um, he tells his disciples in, in chapter 6, verse 12. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And it was right here in the story where they gathered the broken pieces that were left over, that were scattered around, that nobody wanted anymore. And it was when they gathered them together, it says they filled up 12 like big old baskets full. And when they brought them, everyone knew that the miracle had happened. It was at the gathering of these broken scattered pieces that everybody realized And as I read the story, I I read that verse and I just saw the heart of our King in all of that. It's like, I really wanna show you what I'm after, but gather the pieces that nobody wants, that everybody has thrown away as leftovers. And when I gather them back together and put them back in my hands, I'm gonna show a miracle that nobody ever expected. And I see that played out in multiple things that Jesus is, is saying, but he's always leaving the 99, going, looking for the lost one. Uh, it talks about our lives being clay, earthen vessels filled with great treasure. It means we're fragmented and we're broken and we've got ships and we're pieced together. But the reality of our good God is that reveals his goodness. He is a really good God who's decided to pour his self into earthen vessels. So this means like inside this shell, like this shell is not perfected but he wants to reveal his great glory and his love to each one of us, which is why he created the world, just to show off love and show his essence, to be who he is. And so as we live life in 2021, where there's a standard of perfection or a standard of life we're called to live or the rules that we think we should live by and measure up to, and the reality is none of us are, none of us can, none of us have. And yet when we reveal, when the love of God is revealed to us, like in a revelatory way, where the eyes of our heart are actually enlightened, where we get to see, which is what you had an encounter, like a fresh encounter of enlightenment to see the reality of the essence of God, you are transformed from the inside out and it begins to transform your action. And I would say, just as we continue in and understand our King, our King's essence is a being who wants to meet everyone right where they are. And he wants to gather the broken pieces and he wants to gather them together. And if we place the broken pieces into the hands of our savior, Jesus, I guarantee you that's where the miracle is discovered. But it's counterintuitive to our thinking. I believe I've got to do something to fix it. I got to piece back together this thing that I've broken. And I don't know about you, but in my personal life, I would try to piece it back together. And I thought, I'm getting really good. I'm finally getting to the place where it's getting back. And something happens to where the whole thing broke apart. And I was back at square one. And, and you get to the place where you're like, I am hopeless. But hopelessness doesn't have to be uh, where we are today. You're still living with, you even said, I'm gonna be changed and work through things for the rest of my life. That's the truth. But you get to work through it with a, with a feeling from a good God who's reminding you over and over, I've got your back. I'm right there with you. I'm never gonna leave you. What the enemy meant for evil in your life, I'm turning towards something good. So we always have this hope. And the hope is one day, Face to face, we will see the Savior and His name is Jesus. And so today, if you're sitting there saying, I'm just holding the broken pieces of my life, I wanna tell you, you don't have to hold them. Actually give them to Jesus and let Him meet you right there, right where you are. Just tell Jesus what the, what the thing is that you feel like you're holding. Uh, invite Him to just come into your life today and turn something into something beautiful because you don't know how to do it. And if you're at that place, just call out to Him. And uh, as you do, I just wanna pray for you today. And after I finish praying, would you do something for me? Would you go to midtownknox.org? And would you just hit the connect button? I'd love to connect with you, walk with you in the season. Uh, We'd just love to be here for you right where you are. I believe that God has placed His church in this city to be His hands and feet. And so if we can serve you in any way, please let us know how we can connect with you. Just hit connect right on our website and you'll see the link below. Right now, I want to pray for you and uh, just know that As you pray, your prayers are just as important as mine. uh, But I want to add to it, and I just want to pray with you right where you are. Father, I just pray over um, those watching today. And thank you so much for your truth that you meet us right where we are. And you've loved us so much, and you displayed it. For those asking the question, Lord, I don't know. uh, You say you love us, but I don't know that I see that. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give them Just a very clear picture of the cross that day where you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to die. You didn't have to reveal your love in that way. But you chose to because you loved us. And apart from you doing what you did, we wouldn't even have hope today because we couldn't have right standing with you. We've messed the mark. We've messed it up. And yet you paid the price for us and took our place of punishment. And death was not strong enough for you. You rose and you now are seated in a place of spiritual authority. So Father, right now, those in the room today that are in desperate need for spiritual healing, I just pray that you would bring spiritual healing right now in the name of Jesus, right where they are. God, I pray that even spiritual forces and the things that are actually fighting that maybe we think are a person, flesh and blood, but you said uh, that we fight against not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of the present darkness of the spiritual forces of the world. And so God, I I just receive uh, your authority over our lives. And we just claim that uh, in the name of Jesus, that those spiritual forces wouldn't be able to influence uh, in this moment, that you would have to be silent, just be silent in the name of Jesus. And I just pray that peace would enter that home right now. And uh, Father, I pray that you would begin to be the whispering voice that they hear right now in the name of Jesus. Would it just be so and, uh, I pray this all in the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, if that's you, I just want to encourage you. Now, uh, once you've called out to Jesus and you've invited him to be king and you've accepted his his call to be a part of a kingdom, you now have a different kind of authority. That's what I want to help you discover and walk in. Your voice matters. And just like what Erica talked about today, she prayed, (laughs) God responded, he's moving. And now as you continue to step in it, we're only going to continue to see God's sized moves. And so that's my prayer for each one of us, that we would all discover that, begin to walk in it and see what God has for us in this season. Thank you so much for joining us today. And Erica, thank you for being here. And your story is, is special and sweet. And I can't wait to see what God continues to do as we say yes together. And it's better that way. So I love you, girl. Thanks for being here. And thank you. We'll see you next week.